Jesus, thank you so much for this time of worship, just being in your presence, Lord. And now I ask that you bless your word, God, anoint it with your Holy Spirit. And I ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Many years ago, I was tasked, I was on, at a, uh, I was on staff at a church in California, and I was tasked to make the slideshow, a little video slideshow for the church that was to invite the women to come to the women's fellowship. And uh, when going through the pictures um, that were given to me, I found a perfect group photo for the certain shot uh, to put into the slideshow. But there was one problem. One of the women, women who were in this shot of a group of women, uh, they, they were all smiling except one of the women. And she didn't have a smile on her face. And I thought, oh, this would be perfect. What am I going to do? We can't take the picture again and all that. Well, I did find another photo where she was smiling. And so having just learned Photoshop, the, the program, right, <laughs> I digitally took her smiling head, basically cut her head off, and put it on the first photo and replaced the one where she wasn't smiling with the smiling head. And technology saved the day. And so I cut her head off. How do you like that? Crazy, yeah? But just for fun, I remember I also uh, zoomed in on her and gave her like, uh, I copied her eye, one eye, and I gave her like a third eye on the forehead <laughs> just for fun. And I don't think my wife liked it. But it was kind of funny, like three eyes, you know, kind of thing. But, we you know, it wasn't true. It wasn't real there. It wasn't exactly, you know, what was going on. I mean, have you read in the news about the, the deep fakes, you know, where digitally the AI can take a video and change like a famous person to say things, to do things that, that aren't real. That they're not really saying that. But with technology today, you can mimic that. Matter of fact, Congress was looking into that back before the, election, the last election because they didn't want some fake things to go on there. Well, tonight, in our study in the book of Luke, the disciples find out that without a doubt, Jesus really did rise from the dead. And it, it, it's, it's not what some had, like, quote-unquote, edited. It's not some story. It's not some deep fake or rumor out in social media. But these disciples are actually witnesses to the fact that Jesus really is alive. And that's the title of our message tonight. Jesus really is uh, alive. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 4 from verse 36 through 43. 36 through 43 tonight. And as I Say next time we'll finish off this book finally after, I don't know, all these, this long study here we've been going through. But tonight, Jesus really is alive in this section, 36 through 43 in those verses. And we're going to see three things. I've broken up our passage into three parts, and that is, number one, his appearance. Number two, his anatomy. And number three, his appetite. So those are the three things we're going to see. I'm going to wrap it up into our points also in those sections. All right, so Jesus really is alive. And this is what we're going to really see here tonight. I mean, really, he really, really is alive. Anyway, so let's begin here. Number one, his appearance, 
his appearance. Now, for this section, if you're taking notes, we're going to cover verses 36 and 37, just in this, under this heading. So let's take a look at that. Luke chapter 4, I mean 24, verses 36 and 37. Both verses here. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself, himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. So we'll stop right there. Now, we begin with the, the writer Luke. He puts here in verse 36, as they were talking about these things. As they, who's, who's they? Who are these people? Well, these are the, the two disciples who were on that road to Emmaus that we saw last time. Remember last time we saw these two followers of Jesus, how they left Jerusalem, discouragement, discouraged, or full of discouragement. They're like, we're out of here. Things didn't turn out like we hoped for Jesus Christ. But Jesus, remember, appeared to walk with them, appeared there, and then walked with them and started discussing the Old Testament prophecies and how the Messiah was to suffer and die and rise again. It was actually fulfillment of Scripture. Now, they didn't know it was Jesus until, remember, they finally got to the village and they sat down to eat and they broke bread and all of a sudden their eyes were open and they recognized that this was Jesus and then Jesus disappeared. And then you remember these two were saying, didn't our hearts burn inside, us, inside of us when he was uh, expounding the scriptures here? And that was our, remember our title last week was From Broken Hearts to Burning Hearts. Well, now we go come to this uh, story where they had ran back to Jerusalem right at that moment. Remember, they went back right away and they... Uh, went to where the rest of the disciples were to share what had happened. So these guys, as they were talking about these things, everything that we studied in that section above last week, then we see that Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace to you. So here's Jesus. They're, they're talking about what had happened. We, we saw Jesus. We, he, he talked with us. And then our eyes were open when we broke the bread. And, and Jesus, we saw him. We saw him. I can imagine right when they said, we saw him. We saw him. Then suddenly, without any noise, uh, no flashing lights, no trumpet blowing, Jesus is just standing right there. Can you imagine that? Jesus appears and, and he says, Peace to you, we find here in verse 36. Now, that's the Jewish greeting, uh, shalom. And, and peace is what they, they really needed, right? Because verse 37 says, They were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. They, they, they were all of a sudden scared. They were in fear. They were super scared here. Sometimes, once in a while, I like sneak up on my wife, Kristen, and um, when... And when she's doing something, and, and I'll just stand there. And all of a sudden, she turns around and she goes, oh! <laughs> and she goes, stop that. But can you imagine? It, it was like that. They're telling the story, and all of a sudden, he's right there. Jesus appeared right there, standing right there with the other guys in this room. Now, John tells us in the book of John 20 that they were in this room. Many believe it was the upper room, probably, where they had the Last Supper. 
Uh, many believe that, that they were gathered there and, and they didn't know what to do. And, and John tells us that in fear, they had actually even locked the door. So they were super scared because no one could come in or out. But all of a sudden, Jesus is standing there and they thought they saw a spirit. In other words, they thought they saw this ghost. I mean, if you think about it, that's probably the only way to explain that, well, how, how, how can the, that Jesus be right there? I mean, the door is locked. Um, it's just only us. No one saw the door open. All of a sudden, he's there. Is this a ghost? Is this some spirit? Now, this, I want to stop for a moment and then ask a question. Are ghosts for real? Are ghosts really real? Well, I would say yes, but not in the way you think. I, I, I don't, it's, to me, a ghost is not like some deceased person caught between, you know, life and the afterlife and something happens. So they're like this, this soul, this spirit going out. They're trying to get, uh, totally go into the afterlife. But what I believe is that they are real demonic spirits that mimic the deceased to lead, really, people away from God and the truth. And we know what Hebrews 9, 27 says, the truth is that it is appointed for man to die once and then face judgment. The Bible says nothing about your soul hanging around on the earth. Nothing, right? So there are no ghosts. I believe all these apparitions and paranormal stuff is really demonic activity, demonic spirits. But we know this wasn't some demon. This was Jesus. So how did Jesus like get into this room? How did he get The door was closed, locked, for fear of the Jews, and John 20 says, well, Jesus was able to like suddenly appear on the road to Emmaus we saw last time and disappear and then appear in this room because of his resurrected body was now immortal. I mean, th- this was just one thing. Thing that the body, this resurrected body, could do. It could go through walls. It, 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 could, it could move in that manner, appear and disappear. I mean, think about the tomb was sealed, right? When the angel rolled the stone away, it was already empty. And Jesus was alive already, so somehow he got out. So in that same sense, he can appear, he can disappear, he can go pass through walls. He's not like Lazarus, who was raised from the dead back into his regular old body. This is something brand new. So the first thing I want you to see is that his appearance was something brand new. And these guys, they saw it with their very own eyes. It's not a ghost. No, we're going to see more uh, more proof of that. But just his appearance now, appearing there, all of a sudden, was something brand new and And they witnessed this. They saw it with their very own eyes. You know, Jesus made a lot of appearances. It wasn't a ghost. It was Jesus. It was in this brand new resurrected body. He appeared. He disappeared. The first person to see Jesus alive was Mary Magdalene. When she returned to the tomb after telling the disciples that the tomb was empty Sunday morning. Actually, right now what we're reading about is like Sunday night. Remember the two followers of Jesus, the disciples that were going to Emmaus, they were having the evening meal with Jesus when their eyes were open. They immediately went back yeah, to Jerusalem. And so it was already evening, Sunday night. But in the morning, Mary Magdalene 
was the first one to see Jesus in this brand new body, resurrection body. That's John 20, 11 through 18. The other women met Jesus, Mark 16, 5, 2, that morning. Then sometime that Sunday afternoon on Resurrection Sunday, Jesus appeared to Peter privately. We saw reference to that in verse 34 of this chapter. And why private? Why just him? Well, I think he needed restoration the most. Remember, he denied Jesus three times when he promised to not do that. And remember, he felt really bad. So then later that Sunday afternoon, what we read last week, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, they saw Jesus. And now here, all the disciples in this room see Jesus. In this passage, and this is without Thomas, which Thomas saw him a week later, and, and then Paul actually writes that over 500 saw Jesus all at once in 1 Corinthians 15, 6. So this is real. What these guys are, are, are seeing, Jesus right there in his resurrected body, even just appearing like that out of thin air, is really Jesus. Jesus is really alive. Jesus really is alive. Think about if you were on a jury and an attorney subpoenaed over 500 people to testify one by one, what would your verdict be on that jury? Jesus really is alive. I mean, usually only two or three witnesses would would give you that verdict uh, for anything. But over 500 people, the disciples, the women, I mean, Jesus really is alive. So this appearance, it's not a spirit, They thought it was a spirit here, but what they saw with their very own eyes wasn't a ghost. It was something brand new. And as we get into this passage, I want you to set in your heart that you can be confident that your Lord, your Savior, Jesus, really is alive. And it's vital that you hold to that. Christianity, this is... All of Christianity, our theology, our doctrine, hinges on the cross and the resurrection. Jesus really is alive. All right, number one, so we see his appearance. Now, number two, his anatomy, his anatomy. Number two in our outline. We're here, we're going to see verse 38 through 40. Verse 38 through 40. But first of all, take a look at verse 38 and 39. It reads here in Luke 24, 38, And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. We'll stop there for now. Now Jesus responds how they're terrified. They're, they're afraid. They're, they're scared. And, and, and they're, they're startled in all of this, and they think he's a ghost. But he says, hey, what, what, why are you so troubled? Why, are, why is there doubts inside of your heart? I mean, what, what, what's going on? In other words, why are you acting this way? Why is it that that's coming out at this moment? Jesus is like, oh, you know, it's, it's like, hold on, wait, come Let's use our brain. Let's use our mind. Let's think about this for a moment. You know what was said. Let's connect that to what you see. Use your eyes here. 
Use your ears. Hear my voice. I'm talking to you. So it's like a, making comfort, confirmation through our human senses. And then he gives another confirmation using human senses when he says here in verse 39, see my hands and my feet. I mean, look, here's, here's my hands. Here's my feet. Look at me here. The, make sure it's really me. The, that is, it is I myself. Interesting here, I myself uh, can also uh, be taken as I am. I am the I am here, the one, the one you follow. I am Jesus. I am God. Here I am, here. So look, look at my hands. Look at, look at my feet. See them. Make sure it's really me, that it's I am. Then he says, touch me. Here's my hands. Here are my feet. Actually touch me here. And, 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 and see, I'm not a ghost, basically, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, I'm not a ghost. I actually have a real body here, an actual physical body. You remember in um, John chapter 20 in the resurrection account there, in verse 17, Mary saw Jesus and thought, Remember, uh, he was a gardener and asked, oh, where's the body? And then Jesus called her name, and right away, Mary recognized his voice and saw Jesus there. Jesus is alive. And what did Mary Magdalene do? She grabbed him, right? Because Jesus is like, hey, don't cling to me. You know, come on, let me go. And so Mary actually hugged someone or grabbed someone, maybe grabbed his, his legs or his feet, right? I mean, she didn't just, like, grab air, you know, like, wait, there's nothing there. No, she clung to him. And here's Jesus. Hey, touch, touch my hands. Touch my feet. Hey, look, look, me. I'm, I'm not a ghost. I'm not some spirit. I have been bodily, physically resurrected. And this is my new physical body. Now, why I say brand new? Because... It, it, it's kind of hard to understand this, right? I mean, here he's, he's flesh and bones. He's, he has a real physical, physical body, but, but how can he just appear and disappear and go through walls and things like that? And, and we don't fully, fully understand that. I mean, how can he be in one place and then transported somewhere else, like Star Trek? You, you know, and the, the lights and everything happen. How can that happen? How can he... Go through a wall, but at the same time, you can touch, you can hug him. It's something to do with this new resurrected body. I think that it, it, it can travel between realms, like the spiritual realm into the physical earth, like actually have a physical body, but then, I don't know, maybe there's a molecular change, and all of a sudden, he's in the spiritual realm. We know he ascended to heaven, right? So there, there's some change or something going on in, in, in that way. So I don't understand it fully, but somehow he can change that. And he's, with this new resurrection, resurrected body, it can do that. So then Jesus here in um, verse 40, he's, he says this, And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. 
And while they disbelieved for joy, were marveling, he said um, to them, have you anything here to eat? Oh, sorry, we're going to get that in the next section. But just verse 40. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Now, notice in a verse above, he, he, he says, see my hands and my feet, in verse 39. Then in verse 40, he says, uh, he showed them his hands and feet. He he. he particularly pointed out his hands and his feet. Why is that so important? Why is that in particular he's pointing it out? Well, it's because in his hands and his feet are the marks from the nails when he was crucified, when he was put upon the cross. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, I am that person who died on the cross. I you can see that I was crucified with that the the marks, the scars so to speak there. You know, it's interesting what happened with Thomas. Remember I mentioned Thomas wasn't here in this account. And actually later he came and uh, 8 days um, later then he saw Jesus. Take a moment and turn over to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. John chapter 20, and uh, starting at verse 24, we'll, we'll back up a verse, but we're going to go to 27, but it says in verse 24, now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So when did Jesus come? Well, it's this account that we're looking at in Luke 24. Verse 25, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. He wanted to see the scars. He wanted to see the marks that were left from the nails in his hands, from the spear in his side. Well, verse 26, eight days later, so more than a week later from Luke 24, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked once again, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said, this time particularly to Thomas, right? This is doubting Thomas. Put your finger here and see my hands and put your hand and place it in my sight. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Then he believed, didn't he? So you see that the hands, the feet, and even the side that we read here is important because it proves that this is the same Jesus who was crucified on the cross. You know what's interesting too? Turn over to the end of the Bible to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5 and look at verse 6. Remember in our study way back on, uh, in Revelation chapter 5 verse 6 that we have this scene of heaven and Jesus there in the throne room of God and uh, the scroll that he takes, but particularly in verse 6 of Revelation 5, it says, And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing, what? As though it had been slain. Now, why did the lamb look like it had been slain? Well, I related to John 20, 
where Thomas, you know, so until I see the nail, the marks, you know, in his hand, and, and Jesus said, come, put your finger into them, feel it, yeah. I, I, I related to that. I believe in heaven, Jesus still carries the marks of the crucifixion, the sacrifice he made for us all. I believe it's a reminder of what he did for us forever in heaven. It's been well said, the only work of man now in heaven is the marks of Calvary on the body of the exalted Savior. I like that. So back to Luke chapter 24 now. What we see here in this next section of his anatomy is his anatomy with the scar shows he is the crucified Jesus, but now with a real resurrected body. A real resurrected body. His anatomy with the scar shows he is the crucified Jesus, but now with a real resurrected body. You know, in Matthew chapter 28, the religious leaders, they tried to cover up the resurrection. Uh, the Roman soldiers had, remember, fainted when they saw the angel. They ran away, and, and, and so they, they reported to the, the, the Jewish leaders who were borrowing these Ro- Roman soldiers, and uh, they reported about the angel, the missing body. And so what did the Jewish leaders do? They paid off the soldiers. They paid off the soldiers and, and paid off Pilate and spread a rumor that the disciples stole the body while the soldiers were asleep. So that was the story they tried to put out there. But I think that's harder to believe. It's hard to believe that story because if the Roman soldiers were derelict of their duty, they would be punished. They would actually be put to death. And plus, on top of that, the disciples, they were in no shape to think of some plot like that to go against Roman soldiers, steal the body under their care, and to think of something like that, saying, well, yeah, we'll make it like this is the resurrection. Remember, they were totally confused when Jesus died. They were, they were depressed, discouraged. They, their whole world had blown up, and then they were in fear, hiding out in the upper room. Some critiques of the resurrection who cannot resolve what we're reading here. That, that, that there's a real body in Jesus, that Jesus really resurrected into this real body. They say, well, you know, he, he really didn't die. They actually say that he swooned. This is called the swoon theory. Swoon means he, he passed out, basically. He, he passed out from the loss of blood and the shock that he was going through. And so basically, I don't know, when, when I think about what they're trying to say is I... Think about the movie Prince's Bride where, you know, um, he was mostly dead. That's what they're, they're saying. Oh, he was mostly dead. You know, he had passed out. And then when they put him in the coolness of the tomb, he revived. And then he came here in what we're reading in Luke 24. But I think that's even harder to believe. It's hard to believe that, that uh, a reasoning or, or account or explanation because we know crucifixion was fatal to the body. I mean, we covered that, didn't we, in this gospel. Remember, the soldier even declared him dead by putting the spear through his side and piercing all the way into his heart, right? I mean, he would die for sure. That is recorded, that is recorded in the Bible. Plus, 
Joseph, remember of Arimathea, I mentioned Nicodemus with him, wrapped the dead body and put it in the tomb. And I think they would have noticed if he was mostly dead and not totally dead. But here's the thing. What we're reading here is here's Jesus, right? He's, he's here. Hey, he's talking. He's, he's talking like nothing happened. Hey, look, look, look at my scars. You know, there's no gaping holes or anything still. No, and, and, and he seems perfectly fine. So how can Jesus be in perfect health without any medical treatment to all the trauma to his body in just three days? Right? No way. I mean, we don't even have medicine like that. There's no way Jesus was mostly dead. This scholar and professor W.L. Phelps said, it may be said that the historical evidence for the resurrection is stronger than any other miracle anywhere narrated. We can't get around it at all, you guys. For a fact, Jesus rose again from the dead. It wasn't just like his soul, but it was a bodily resurrection. It was a physical resurrection. Don't doubt that tonight. Do not doubt that. Satan wants you to doubt because, you know what, if you doubt that, it's like pulling a thread that unravels all your security and your salvation. The death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, it holds our salvation together. Who we are in Christ, our, our transformation to a new creation, our, 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 our future and eternity in heaven and what it's going to be like for us. And if the resurrection isn't real, then what other things are not real? What I'm talking about is the promises of God. Think about that. Jesus said, hey, on the third day I will rise again. If he really wasn't risen, then how about the other promises of God that he spoke about? The prophecies about Christ. Is it not true? Is it unreliable then? No, the resurrection is very important that we are solid on it, that we believe it. Because everything hinges on the, that truth. So Jesus really is alive. So we've seen here in this, sec, in this passage, number one, his appearance. Number two, now his anatomy. And now number three, his appetite. His appetite. And sorry I got ahead of myself, but this is verse 41 through 43. Take a look at that right now. And while they still... De- disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate before him. So Jesus now is trying to connect even more yeah, of their senses. He wants their brain, their mind to process this, process what they've been told, process what they see. Jesus is right there. Process what they hear. Jesus is speaking. He's alive. And, and now even that sense of touch, to actually touch. Whoa, he's, it's real. He's not some spirit. He's, he's physically right there. But 
in verse 21 says, they still disbelieve for joy. Now that's a weird phrase, right? They didn't believe, but they had joy. And, and, and then they were marveling. Like, wow, wow. What, what is that? In other words, it was like, they were like going, well, this is, we would say today, it's too good to be true. It's like, whoa, they are taken back. They're, they are starting to believe. They're like, whoa. It's like saying, oh, I'm, I'm pinching myself to see if this is really real. So they're in that, that little state there. They're starting to see. They're starting to put it all together. Jesus really is alive. But their mind was still trying to you know, wrap around the, what they're hearing, what, what, you know, touching Jesus, what they're seeing. I mean, this is something that no one has ever seen before. So, so I understand. So Jesus is like, okay, let's, let, let's take it to another level. He asked for something to eat. And they give him a piece of broiled fish. And he sits there and eats it in front of them. Now, that, that, that's, that's crazy. You know, some critics say, well, this isn't true because... You know, there's no fish around there, but, but there has to be. There's actually a fish gate in, in Jerusalem because that's where they bring the fish and sell fish. You know, people eat fish there. So, um, yeah, they had fish right there. They broiled, had broiled fish. Maybe it was butterfish. Maybe, I don't know what it was, you know, mai mai or something. No, not really. Um, but then he ate it. Now, isn't this interesting, you guys? That the resurrected body can actually eat. Isn't that great? I mean, I don't think a resurrected body needs the sustenance, but it can eat. And I, I'm kind of happy about that because maybe our resurrected bodies, you know, I, I believe we can still eat and enjoy eating. You won't get fat. Yeah, don't have to worry about calories. You can eat whatever you want. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about that. Well, our last point is his appetite to eat only underlines the fact that the resurrected body is truly a real body. His appetite to eat only underlines the fact that the resurrected body is truly a real body. That's what we're going to get. Jesus was the first fruits in the resurrection. We will be resurrected also. Listen to uh, Philippians 3, verse 20 and 21 says. It'll be on the screen too. But it says here, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, Who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Do you understand? We're going to get a similar resurrected body. Isn't that great? We can appear. We can disappear. We can transport ourselves from here to there. We, we can actually Hug each other, right? Can you imagine if we're just some spirits and it's like, oh, I see my wife in heaven. It's like, oh, I can't hug you. You know, I can't hold your hand. But no, we will actually have a glorified body that's resurrected that will be physical in that way. And as I mentioned, we can eat. 
Revelation, remember at the end of Revelation, talked about the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's how we can eat in this wedding supper. I'm kind of thinking, do you remember when we were in Revelation, um, how <clears throat> at the end of Revelation, the millennium's going to come, and we're going to rule and reign with Christ. We'll have our glorified bodies. We're going to help Christ uh, rule and reign uh, over those who are believers, the Jewish believers who are still have their human bodies during the millennium. Both are going to be together. That's with our glorified bodies. They're with their human bodies, but they're saved. And, and I'm wondering if that's going to be part of it. Maybe we'll be like going to heaven, back onto the new earth, you know, uh, or the restored earth. When we're going back and forth, we'll be traveling here and there, you know, maybe like this and that, like, like Jesus did. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I don't know exactly how that's going to work. But if I look and see what Jesus did here in our passage, that he appeared, he disappeared, he, he appeared with the Emmaus disciples, he disappeared and he appeared again, that he showed his, his physical body, that he spoke, that they could see him, that they could touch him, I, I believe that's what we're going to be like with our glorified bodies. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know exactly. I mean, we could read 1 Corinthians 15. You could read that later. You could see how we're changed and, and, and uh, a mortal takes on immortal, you know, and, and it's going to be all changed to this. But God is going to do it. This is what we see. And I want to <clears throat> quote George Mueller to, to help you. George Mueller said, Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. And I love that. I don't fully get this. I don't fully understand this. Traveling between realms, you know, the spiritual realm. You know the spiritual realm where angels and demons are fighting. Uh, going to heaven where, where God is or in the physical realm here. I don't understand how you can pass through those different realms. But I believe in our glorified bodies we will like just like Jesus did. And as believers in Jesus, we're going to receive that new body. Seeing Jesus resurrected, risen, and having this resurrected body should also encourage us that today, right now, He can change us. That as new creations in our sanctification, that, that we can grow, that we can become more godly, that he can change us from the old, that he can free us from our sins and the habitual sins, that, that we can become men and women of God in his will and how he wants us to become in our character, a change in our attitude, a change in our mind, that the power of resurrection is working inside us. It's like Paul said in Philippians 3, right? That I may know the power of his resurrection in my life.
Understand this. Jesus, see, he not only conquered, let's say, in, his, in the resurrection, the spiritual death of sin, our, our eternal future. He brought forgiveness on the cross and rose again from the dead and conquered that. But he also conquered bodily death, where, where, where our body dies, where that's it. But then we're going to receive this new glorified body that will glorify God. The old fleshly body, it was all about sin, right? It, it was in bondage to our, our sinful flesh. But this new body now is capable, without the sinful flesh, to be able to glorify God 100%, totally. See, the old body, the old model, was no good. It was boro boro. It was broken down, like boro boro car. Yeah. I remember we traded in our old, remember our 68 Chevelle. It was, it was really old. It was breaking down everything. And we traded and got a, a, a new truck. That's, that's like it. Our, the old is gone. The, the new comes. And so the resurrected body, that's why it, it's fully a body. It, it's not like our old model. It's fully a new glorified body that will glorify God, that will live for God. That's what all of this really means. This is real, you guys. This is all relevant. This is what we're heading to. This is what our future is about. So it's so important that we continue to grow in Christ. It's so important that our soul and who we really are become more like Christ. Because one day in the rapture, or if we die and go to heaven, we're going to receive that body. And, what, and how we've grown in Christ, he's going to complete us with that new body. It's going to come together. It's like, definitely now, the new me. And it's all real. The real thing. I'll, I'll close with this. I read about a driver who got caught by a traffic camera running a red light. The camera also captured his car and, and the license plate. Well, a few days later, the ticket came in the mail along with a photo of the driver's car, and, and you can see the driver in the car. The driver thought that he'd outsmart them. So instead of payment for the ticket, he actually got his phone out, took a picture of a $100 bill and a $20 bill, and uh, printed it out and put it in an envelope and sent it back to them a photo of $120. Well, several days later, the driver received another letter from the police department. It contained another photo. It was a picture of handcuffs. <laughs> well, the motorist, the driver, promptly sent the money. <laughs> Listen, it, this, what we're reading here is, is not just some photo or something that's fake. It, it's the real thing. It's not some legend. It's not some story. It's the real thing. The bodily resurrection is reality, you guys. And I, if, if there's anything tonight, that's what I want to get into your heads, that this is real. What's coming for us? Oh, I can't wait. I mean, you know, we joke about, oh, I joke about, yeah, I'm getting old, yeah. 
think, you know, things aren't working as like it did. I'm ready for that new body, right? But it's, it's more than that, guys. I mean, it, it, it's even more than I can eat anything I want. Then, oh, wow, I can transport myself, all that. You know what the best thing is? I don't have to fight the sinful flesh to glorify God totally in my life. And I'm looking forward to that. But understand, everything that you're doing now, the discipline that you put yourself through, the effort to obey God and to, to, to find victory over over different habits of sin that Christ gives you, to continue to grow in godliness, it's all heading in this reality that we're going to have this new body, this glorified body, this, this, this new us. And I hope that motivates you today. And I hope you understand if Christ can actually rise from the dead in a bodily resurrection, then you know what? He has the power to help you right now, today, in whatever you're going through. So look at Christ's resurrection. Look at what we saw tonight, that it is true. Jesus really is alive. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to a, a prayer right now, God, I want to just stop for a moment and help us, God, to soak in what you've given us tonight. Lord, to look at your resurrection, the power that's in it, God. Help us, Lord, to understand what it means tonight, right now in our lives. God, we thank you. We have a future, God with a bodily resurrection like you, a glorified body. We have a future, Lord, waiting for us. That's for sure. But right now, God, we need that power of your resurrection to help us through our trials, to help us through things we're facing, to help us through our discouragement and depression. And God, right now, I, I, I just want to pray for anyone here or whoever's online, God, that they would... S- see this, what we've seen tonight, and sense, Lord, your love and strength, your Holy Spirit coming upon them right now. God, we look to you. Lord, your arm is not too short, God. Lord, you are not weak, Lord. You don't run out of power. Lord, you are infinite. You have all power, God, and strength. Lord, at the same time, you have all wisdom, Lord. And you have all knowledge, so you know what we're going through. Lord, you love us, and your grace is toward us. And and, and you care for us so much, so deeply, God, that you do want to work mightily in our lives. And if we believe the resurrection, then we believe in the power of the resurrection in our lives right now. And so, Lord, I pray right now and call out to you that you would work powerfully with your Holy Spirit. Speak to us right now. In Jesus' name, amen.